Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. On today's jam-packed show, Rob and I will be delving deep into the pros and cons of both self-publishing and traditional publishing. We will also be answering a very interesting mailbag question sent in by one of you listeners about craft. And later, best-selling historical fiction novelist Jean Granger will be joining us on the show to answer our seven questions. Before that, though, we shall begin, as we always do, Robert, by discussing the week that was so how have the last seven days been for you well it's been a week of birthdays in the Enright household nice um so uh olivia was three last week um trees yeah yeah with three major um (laughs) so yeah so we had um we had some just nice things over the weekend for her Uh, like we went out for a nice birthday lunch we had like a little mini party at a soft play nearby with some of my friends and their kids. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that was really nice. And then yesterday I took the day off because it was my birthday, David. Robert Enright's birthday. How old did you? How many candles are on that cake? 36. 36? Yeah. 306. Wow. <laughs> it feels like 36 it. <laughs> well yeah you're 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 crawling towards middle age let's say that yeah um so yeah so i had my birthday this week as well so i did i took the day off um i say i took the day off i still went to the gym i still did some admin stuff but i didn't like knuckle down and do stuff that i usually yeah. would um but apart from that i've been doing some writing um I've had a good drive this week to get like a chapter done a day. So I'm sort of breaking the back of the latest Sam Pope book and getting to a point Great. where we're hitting like the first major action scene and from there it'll ramp up. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but one thing we don't usually talk about on here, David, is having worries or concerns about stuff. And I am starting to slightly worry about how big of a task revitalizing my bermuda jones series might be ah okay um just because the, the book bub was good in the fact that it didn't like drastically cost me money yeah. however i am i i sent it off to my new proofreader who's like an absolute eagle eye and I said to him, this was written five to six years ago. I'm a much better writer now. I fear it might not be in good shape. And then a few yeah. days later, we come back saying, your fears are correct. Here's 30 plus pages of issues I found in your book. I was like, oh, no. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, just like wrong words or sentences that don't really work. And and I, I was expecting it, maybe not to that level. And now he's mm-hmm. delving into the second Bermuda book. And I knew there was going to need to be some tightening up of the books to be done. Yeah. But now I'm sort of weighing up that thing off. Oh, I've got to do all that. I've got to write a third one. I know they're not going to be as profitable as the Sam Pope ones. And you just start having that thing in my head saying, I only have so much time. But um, Now, why do you think they're not going to be as profitable as Sam? Obviously, less reads through, but are they a tougher sell? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Tough, tougher genre. Um, yeah. Urban fantasy. 
it does have a fan base. You know, you've got things mm-hmm. like Ben Aronautovic and Chena Mavell and Neil Gaiman, stuff like that. But, you know, they're quite established. It's yeah. it's just it's it's just it's a big task, and I think when I hit, get a little knockbacks like that in my head, I think yeah, you know, I'm thinking like in my head, I could just write another Sam Pope book and hey, you know, be done yeah, with it. And that'll but, be, yeah, and you know how much money you're going to make from it, and yeah, yeah. But I like a challenge. But like I said, it's uh, we don't usually talk sometimes about concerns that we have. But I thought I'd share yeah. one. Um, but beyond that, yep, yeah, nice week. Done some writing. Awesome. Got a bit older. It was quite funny. Safe said to me yesterday, she went, she goes, oh, how do you feel now, now that you're closer to 40? And I was like, and you are 30. And I was like, well, I was, yes, I was the day before. <laughs> like, it doesn't change true. bang on the day. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, how's your week been, my friend? Good, yeah, productive. Um, the America Trilogy sort of box, what do they call it, an omnibus? What? When you put the three books together. What do what, they call that? Paperback? Yeah. Yeah, it's like an om- anthology. No, omnibus. Yeah, maybe. Oh, my God. Why do I said that word out loud and then, and then my mind is going, no, that's wrong. <laughs> and now I'm not sure. We're going to call it an omnibus. Um, they, they don't like you calling it a box set mm-hmm. on Amazon because it, it's actually not a set of uh, books. It's one big anthology of all three books in about 900 pages. Oh, um, right. So that, that went out... Um, couple of days ago now okay uh launched and it's um it does well they, they do well in kindle unlimited when you when you when you put trilogies out there yeah my box and if, and, if, yeah if you set if you set some just sort of even automated ams ads t- the people in ku tend to see them a lot and and, and it increases the uh, page read so for those who are just have individual books out there if you can somehow tie them into uh Omnibuses is this? Anthology. Sure that's the right word. Anthologiness, boxer eating. We're stuff. so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Two clueless authors. Um, yeah, do that. Whatever way you can sort of um, enhance your visibility on Amazon or enhance your visibility to those in KU, you the money just sort of falls into the pocket. Uh, the more people read through their subscription to Kindle Unlimited. So uh, box sets or omnibuses or whatever it's called um, are a good way of doing that. So I've just delivered that one to Amazon this week. Nice. I've also began my sequel novella to Betsy Blake. Oh, yeah. Rob, I'm a couple of... I. This time last week, actually, we recorded this on a Thursday. So last Thursday after we recorded, I got down to business. I wrote a chapter. I was very happy with the opening. On the Friday, I wrote a second chapter. I was going, this is great. Flying. And then Monday, just not, couldn't be arsed <laughs> after a two-day break. Um, so it's been a bit of a slow sort of last few days. But uh, a lot of notes down. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm taking it. And once... We're finished this recording. I'm gonna get dug into um, chapter three of that, and and hopefully it's it's going to be short. So it's only going to be about twenty thousand words, maybe ten to twelve chapters, and we'll have that out for my readers in March sometime. So yeah, kind of productive, a little bit lazy, but a usual uh, seven days for David B. Lines.
So, David, we are talking this week about the pros and cons of both self-publishing and traditional publishing. Um, and I think it's it's good and I think it's fair that we look at both sides of the publishing coin, um, yeah. even though obviously we are proud um, independent authors. We've both been published traditionally. Yeah. Um, and I think it's worth talking about both the good and bad of both sides of the publishing um, fence, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess we'll jump straight in and should we start with traditional publishing? Where will we start? Trad publishing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the, um, the pros mm. of traditional publishing. So have you, what can you tell our listeners that that is good about old school trad publishing? Well, I mean, obviously, speaking from experience, I didn't have the best time. Yeah. Um, obviously, you get like a rush of excitement of um, doing it. But I guess probably the main pro that I see uh, traditional publishers. So I'm, I'm friends with a lot of traditional publishers on social media. I follow what how they're getting on. And I guess for a lot of people the heavy lifting of being an independent author is daunting. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've covered this in heavy detail across many episodes, all the different aspects you need to get up to speed with. But I guess as a traditionally published author, one of the pros of that is that that heavy lifting is done for you. Like you don't need to deal with cover designers, uh, editors, um, you know, they're already probably on the books of these traditional publishers or they have working relationships with with people who can do that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess you just sort of have final sign-off on a cover, maybe. I don't know if you have that element of control. You probably have a collaboration on well, a cover. It's, you're likely to uh, have a publisher give you two samples of a book cover and mm. you have to choose one. <laughs> so well, it's, not, it. yeah. it's not, not an awful lot of input, really. Um so I, I say you get final say on the cover. You, you're sort of presented with options, whether you like them or not, really. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I do, I do understand that, you know, it, it, doing all that can seem really daunting to someone who doesn't know how to do all that. So yeah. having traditional publishers um, who, you know, market themselves and they project themselves as experts, you know, they, they do this for a business doing that for you gives you an element of comfort so i think that's probably a really big pro that a lot of yeah. traditional publishers probably look for mm -hmm. um what do you think yeah well this is a topic we could do a few hours on really uh -huh. and i've i've done lessons on this one i actually went back over my lesson to prepare for this main talking point that we're doing today um so i've written down a few points a few bullet points of what the pros are of traditional publishing one i guess is the prestige and the kudos mm. that comes along with that one if you sign a contract with a, a decent sized publisher you have every right to um you know uh shine your ego a little bit and 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 put it out there and through your social media and let everybody know you have signed this contract and it would give you uh, a certain amount of prestige and, and kudos uh you, you've touched upon really the the main pro of traditional publishing is that the heavy lifting is done for you so you will 
basically inherit a team of experts so you'll have an expert editor and cover designer and proofreaders and marketeers perhaps mm -hmm. for your book so all of that is done for you and it's handled for you there's obviously zero cost for you uh, in that you're not paying out a couple of hundred dollars for a nice book cover or um, five or six hundred dollars for your book to be developmentally edited so it's zero cost uh, and another benefit, I guess, of traditional publishing is that your writing is the, is your only focus. Mm. So you're not balancing this mini business that you and I are are are, are balancing. We, we, you don't have to care too much about the marketing, and you don't have to care too much about rewriting blurbs and and all the frills that go along with indie publishing. So your only focus is words on a page. Now, I mean. We're going to go into the cons of traditional publishing too. But if you have a traditional deal, well, then your only responsibility there is getting words on the page for your next mm. book, as opposed to all the other frills that you and I worry about and have to put up with every day. So there's quite a lot of pros for traditional publishing. But at the same time, that can be weighed out by uh, quite a number of cons. Uh, do you? Have you thought of any cons for traditional publishing? Uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest one is you're not in control. Um, yeah. You're not. Um, and unless you're the golden egg-laying goose for that publisher, uh, you're, you're not going to be top of their priority list. So you will be yeah. a priority during the... Um, development stage so the editing getting the cover because that publisher wants to get your book out there because that publisher is there to make money off of the author that's what the publisher's ultimate goal is yeah. is to make money and they will say things like you know they just want to get books out there and and the intention might be really really good like they might love getting books out there but they can't do that unless they have books that make money mm -hmm. so um, if you're not making the publisher money, you're not going to be a priority, um, which is why, you know, I, I subscribe to the idea that no one's going to care more about your books than you will. It's yeah. just like, you know, it's really harsh, but no one likes looking at pictures of somebody else's kids as much as the parents do. Like, That's so it's, true. Yes. It's that sort of thing. Um, so... I think whilst we're talking about like all the good stuff you'll do that, you know, all the good stuff publishers will do for you and they will do it, you know, within reason. And they might throw some money at the marketing, but they won't continuously market it unless that original marketing spend brings them back two, three times what they're spending because then they're yeah. right. We've got a hot book here. Let's keep pumping money into it. If they pump money into a book that they've just launched and it doesn't make a return on it, they're not going to pump another load of money behind it because they, yeah. they're not going to burn money on a book when they've got people knocking their door down to give them books that could make them money. Exactly. Um, and and it, it's an experience you and I have both been through and it's yeah. interesting. We speak to a new author and in the author on this show every week mm -hmm. and quite a number of them have said, well, I started out with a traditional deal. Mm hmm. And then I went the indie route. And it's because of that reason. It's because the publishers have given up on their books after a month or two. And it's why you see lots of authors who are traditionally published running their own ads. Yeah, crazy. Which is mad. 
like I get I get trying to build a presence on social media. Yeah. But then when they start paying for ads, which is really the only way to reach readers, unless you've already got a built-in audience. Yeah. Which is you're just starting out, you don't have. You're then paying to run ads to a book that you are not the person who's publishing it, which also means you're not getting the full royalty, which means you're paying out of your pocket to put money in your publisher's pocket when the publisher should be doing that all for you. And that whole thing, like, I mean, I've, I've made it quite clear. I, I made, excuse my language, David, fuck all through my publishers um, <laughs> yes. with how little sales they did. But when I, when I see the terms and conditions on royalty pricing with trad publishers, it blows my mind um, at how low they price them and then just how little the authors get back. Um, I don't know. I, I think you sold more with your publisher than I did, but... Well, it wasn't that many more, but um, just to highlight the, the point you're making there, my publisher was selling uh, the eBooks for 99p, Right. which means that they were getting 35p for every sale as in uh, that's the royalty made i was getting 40 percent of that 35p and they were getting 60 percent of that 35p right so you're getting so, 15p roughly yeah literal pennies so you sell a hundred sale of a book you sell a hundred or sell a thousand copies that you're making about a hundred pound yeah whereas if you're as you are now independently published selling your books at 3.99 you sell a thousand you make two and a half grand two and a half grand this is yeah. just the simple maths i tell people why mm -hmm. why i wouldn't even go for a publisher anymore that is the exact yeah. reason there yeah and i mean i hate we didn't set this podcast up to piss on traditional publishing we've got friends who are traditionally yeah. published we have been traditionally published it's not what it's about and i hate to sort of bring this statistic up almost weekly on the podcast but seven and a half grand a year is what a traditional published author is making on average it's just nowhere near good enough so the cons that's one of the big cons right of uh, traditional publishing and I mean cons as in opposite of pros as opposed to it's a con it's not a con it's 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 an industry that's been going for a hundred years but you're not going to make money with a traditional published date. you could be the golden goose that Robert talks about of course there is one or two of those every year mm -hmm. bear in mind there's there's 40 lottery winners every year uh, so there's more chance of winning the lottery than being the golden goose or being the next Suzanne Collins or whatever having the next breakout global hit yep. um, but the, the main just to brush on the cons that I've written down Robert it's a painfully slow process so yep. seeking a deal um, takes you know if you were to submit to Penguin for example Penguin Random House it takes six months for them to even get back to you mm-hmm then, of course, if they do like it, and then it's another two or three months of you fiddling around and their editor saying you should do this and change this. And then there's an awful lot of change. You're losing control. So now you're nine months away from the point where you first pitched this to them. Mm -hmm. If eventually they go, OK, let's sign a deal. Say it's nine months down the road. That book won't come out another 18 months. I know. So you're talking nearly two over two years from the time that you first pitched to them. So when yeah. we say it's a painfully slow process, we want to bold, underline and um, capitalize, italicize <laughs> and capitalize the word painfully slow, mm -hmm. right? The word's painfully slow. Um, 
other cons, of course, is you're giving up your creative, so you're losing that. And there's no, there's nothing more annoying than uh, editors saying, "Oh, this character will do this, and this character should do that, and this plot should go this way." Think, no, um, this is all out of my head. I'm afraid <laughs> you don't get to say. Uh, so if you're a bit of a control freak like I am and Robert is, I know you're giving up so much of that. Now there is a collaborative process in that, which I guess is 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 a pro, mm-hmm. but it's a con and it's very frustrating when somebody is trying to take your creative um, down a different path. Yeah. So um, you lose creative on your manuscript, you lose total creativity on your book cover, on your blurb, on your marketing. All the creative is taken away from you, okay? And you're also, another big con, is you're giving up 60% of your revenue, really, mm-hmm. for every book sold. Uh, you are unlikely to earn money going the traditional route. You can earn money going the traditional route. There are more authors not making money down the traditional route so you're giving up a lot certainly money and creativity by taking a traditional deal yeah and i think just to, to sum that one up i think for me there's, there's a <clears throat> there's two schools of thought around traditional publishing there's there's the dream that is sold to the author and then there's the reality of what the publisher is I touched on it earlier the the publisher is a business that is there to make money they have employees that need salaries like they don't do it out of the goodness of their heart they mm-hmm. may you know absolutely love books they love authors and they they might treat their authors fantastically well so yeah you know they do everything they can they get them good editors they get them good covers they're wonderful to deal with and so as we're saying there, there's some really good publishers out there we're not here to shit on the idea of being published but the dream that's sold to the author is you row write a book and we'll take care of the rest but then yeah. you have to look at the reality of the situation and if that book isn't selling they're not going to invest all the time and money into getting that book going if it didn't go straight off because they've got a lo- a long list of people with books ready to go which they think in their head because they would have gone through like a vetting process of submissions these could these could sell yeah and i think it's it's very difficult for authors to make that connection between that and i think once you can get your head around that that's why for me and for you being in control of it yourself makes sense yeah it really does yeah having that full control and we're going to talk about the the pros of indie publishing now but you're right I, i talk i have weekly meetings with my agent who's who works in the traditional realm of mm-hmm. this industry. I know people who own their own uh, traditional publishing companies. And there's just, at the moment, as, as we are living and breeding now in the year 2023, there is huge frustration in the traditional publishing industry because they're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. They don't know how to move. It's a bit like I used to work in the newspaper industry. And at some point, when digital took over, the newspaper industry didn't know where to turn to. It didn't know what it was going to do next. Um, the the traditional publishing industry is exactly like that now. Mm-hmm. It knows that it can't do anything about digital. It, 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 that people can launch their own books and sell them and sell them in thousands and hundreds of thousands of copies like you and I are, Rob. But um, and, and they don't know how to react to that. Yeah. And, and they're very frustrated about it. And, and, and you can see that. You, you can hear it in their voice uh, as, as they're talking to you about the idea of not only did they, so say, say if they signed us up, they signed you up 
to a deal then they've got to go and sell all your books to marketing campaigns and sell them all into these stores there's such a it's such a, a slow painful process it really is yeah, I th- well, and the thing is, they're not going to. I can understand why they're not going to celebrate independent authors, are they? Because they're still the gatekeepers that we've said we don't need anymore. Um, yeah, but okay, David, let's dive in to self-publishing. That's what you and I do. Mm-hmm. We've been doing it for years. Um, you've been doing it full time for four years now. I've been doing it full time for coming on six months. Oh, great, um, already. Yeah, which is racing by. So shall we talk wonderfully positively about being independent authors and what we think the pros are? Yeah, let's do that. Um, I mean, I wonder, we're, we're probably on the, contra- not contradicting ourselves, but repeating ourselves on what we've said. So we did say that one of the cons of traditional publishing is losing control. But there's no doubt about it that the big pro of self-publishing is having that control. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. total rights to every creative part of publishing a book. It's all in your hands. Well, well, that's it. It's like, take me, for example. I own everything around my Sam mm-hmm. Pope suits. I've now got a series that's, you know, sold over 100,000, uh, around 150,000 copies. Got an uh, 11th book coming out soon. And I own all of it. I don't, I, yeah. I don't share that with anyone. So the books, the audio books, all of it is mine. Like I've invested the money in to get there, but because I own it all, I can do whatever I want with it, which yeah. means I can up the price <clears throat> and start making more money. I can do price drops. I can sync them up with marketing campaigns that I've gone and sourced, that I'm in control of the, every step of the way. Like I can effectively tailor my ads, track them, and get all the information there that would be with somebody else if if it was done by somebody else. Um, Like, I've had publishers lie to me about stuff, but I don't have that anymore. Like, I don't need to negotiate with someone. I don't need to get someone to believe me that my books are good or that they're worth a punt. Because I go straight to the source. I go to the reader and I've already got confirmation from them that these books are good and people will read them. So having all of that to yourself emboldens you to make, you know, big decisions. Like like the one I spoke about earlier about trying to resuscitate a series that didn't do anything. Yeah. Like if that was still with a publisher, it would just be sat in a cupboard somewhere. Like it's been sat in my cupboard for a while, but now it's getting dusted off and I'm now going through the process of doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's easily the biggest pro of being self-published is the fact that not only do I own all of that to be able to do all the things I need to, but promo-wise, advertising-wise, I get, you know, I, I've been able to do it for a living, which is something I would never have been able to do with my publisher. Yeah, and no like, chance. And like really. I said, I don't need to. I don't need somebody to tell me that it's going well now or that it's worth a punt. The only person who holds me accountable is me. Yeah, and so and my wife. <laughs> and I will. Uh, <laughs> she just holds me be first, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only person I I report to 
is the true boss, which is my wife. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and that's that's you speaking, I guess, in hindsight, because your books have done so well. Mm-hmm. But even if you went the indie publishing route and your books didn't do particularly well, well, you've still got full control. Oh, they're not selling well. Maybe the book cover isn't enticing people. You can change it. Oh, maybe the blurb isn't quite winning perspective readers over. You can change it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can even change your manuscript. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want I want the ending to be different. Or maybe I should have written it from this point of view. You're in total, total, total control. Whereas if that's locked in with a publisher and it's not selling, well, that's the full stop. Yeah. On that. Just the Whereas with traditional publishing, because you have the control, you can keep going keep going so you you have total rights to the entire creative and more importantly it's not something we've mentioned since talking about the pros of self-publishing but you get all the money Mm. all of the money all comes into your comes into your pocket Mm. so every sale you make the profit is yours and yours alone so um but you know that that's if money interests you that's a big benefit but the biggest benefit as robert has uh, beautifully described for you is the the total control and the autonomy that you will have over all of your creative output just just to add on to your point there david about <clears throat> you can make changes if you need to and looking back on my books in hindsight like to reiterate i've been self-publishing the sam pope series for this will be the fifth year. This will be later this year. Will be five years since the first book come out, and it's only six months ago that I was making enough to go full time, and yeah. that was because I had to change covers, change blurbs. That's right. You've done all this, yeah, yes, because I was at a point where I was thinking that's what's now holding it back, because I did do it a bit bootstrapped, you know which we've been over like i didn't go for the in the major investment off the back because i couldn't afford it but once i made enough yeah. money to be able to afford it i did um so it, it is having that ability to do that yeah. if i hadn't had that ability and I, I didn't change the covers i don't think they'd be anywhere near where they are now exactly yeah it's it's all about you're selling books really mm-hmm. i mean your job is to write books but you're also selling books so the, the, the package needs to look um right and we're going to get on to the cons of self-publishing as well but i should say as a pro just to round this point off is that i love my little business yeah i love the whole weight of what i do i love writing books i love marketing marketing them i love coming up with concepts for the covers and the blurbs and stuff so every element of the in the order the small in the order business that i have i just love i love every element of it and if there is a part of it that i don't like well there is somebody who does like doing that and i will outsource that type of thing because i'm in total control so the business your in the order business can be what you want it to be mm-hmm. again because of that autonomy Absolutely. Now, that's not to say the indie author route is full of the scent of roses or filled with the scent of roses. We are seeing people in groups who are indie publishing who are really frustrated and just aren't selling books. So there are definitely a lot of cons to the indie route as well, Robert. So what cons can you share with our listeners? So the biggest one I have is the rug pull feeling. 
what's the rug pull so feeling? I keep feeling like someone's going to pull the rug out from under me. Like, oh, and you're going to wake up and it's a dream? Uh, well, I'm going to wake up and one day my royalties are going to be halved. Yeah, or, like Amazon crashes or decides it's not doing yeah, or just, indie publishing anymore. Because like now it's operating at a level where, obviously I'm not doing this for a I'm relying on this to pay my bills. You know, I have a mortgage, I yeah. have a family. Um, you know, every now and then I might get a day where maybe I, you know, I made £60 less than the day before. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh no, it's happening. <laughs> like in my head, I'm like, oh no, it's happening. And then maybe I have a second day where it's not as high as it's been for like the last month. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? And then I'll have a yeah. day that's like double anything I've ever done before. And I'm like, oh, okay, no, it's back to normal. Like, when's yeah, this feeling? I definitely get phases like that. When's phases this... during the year. And, and it's really irrational for me because I do look at it all really logically and I do have all the data and I know my sales growth has just gone like in a nice vertical line because it's a it's a series that i get read through you know it's not peaks and troughs which i think we've been over that's how how you experience your your yeah. sort of releases mine just like a steady upwards curve so yeah. that, that that's a horrid feeling and i don't know you know my brother runs his own business and he has done for a few years and he said that never disappears yeah because you know you don't have your employer to fall back on so that is a horrible yeah kind of cloud yeah. that just hangs you're, you're around missing it. the safety net yeah um, you're your own safety net yeah um so so yeah so that's quite a horrid one from a mental aspect um practically there are some really steep learning curves there are like we talk about stuff we're quite competent we're building websites you know yeah. making ads we've had to learn that and that's taken time it's taken money in some oh, a lot of money in regards to getting facebook ads right um, but and then there's just some things that, like you said, you can outsource them, but sometimes you can just knuckle down and do them. But things like, you know, if I release a new book, I've got to update the back matter of like 15 books. The books beforehand. And it's yeah. just, it's just, sometimes you get days where it's just long, dull things to do. The unsexy side of writing books and publishing them. Yeah. And you just kind of, you've, you've, you've got to do it. But, yeah, it's not every day isn't just, oh, I'll sit here, drink coffee and write, you know, loads of chapters and make loads of money. That's not the case. There's a lot of hard work and a lot of dull tasks that might have to be undertaken. I'm really selling it, yeah. the idea of being an indie <laughs> author. But Well, th that idea of you updating your back matter every time you release a new book, that's a self-choice, right? Yeah. I don't do that. But so that, that, is that so? So is that because you have trilogies that don't link? Yeah, it's uh, that I have trilogies that don't link. But I just have a link at my books, which takes you to my official website page where mm -hmm. all my books are listed. Right. Rather than listing the books myself okay. um, at the back of it, but you're right. There are definitely some mundane aspects of of running this small uh, publishing business. Um. Just to go to some more practical cons of indie publishing, one is that you need capital. Yeah. So you're not going to sell books unless you are marketing your books. So uh, you definitely need money in your pocket to start off to enable you to spend on Amazon ads or Facebook ads or, or some manner of marketing to allow people 
allow prospective readers to know that your book is available it's it's not a case of just publishing a book and and sitting back and watch it sell that's that's not how this game works at all and we see people frustrated by that in the groups mm-hmm. we're in all the time you you need it's like any business you need capital you need to start with money uh, as opposed to traditional where all of the capital is on the publishing company that's their responsibility you don't need to spend a penny if you're traditionally published um but you know having said that you do need capital but all of the revenue that comes in from that marketing is all gone back into your pocket Yeah, exactly and you need to work out how you can spend a hundred pound on an ad that is going to bring you back in 200 pound plus and then you need to multiply that Mm -hmm. and start running a really successful business but you can't sell books without spending money first so you definitely need capital um and another con that annoys me is that the traditional publishing world is taking so many years to evolve into accepting the sort of self-publishing route um, even bookstores and 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 certain providers and distributors of books they they, they tend to sort of roll their eyes a little bit when you say oh no I independently publish these so although we have preached on this podcast before that the stigma is gone mm-hmm. um, and it is in terms of readers they don't care if you're with Penguin Random House or you're traditionally publishing if they like your cover and your blurb they're going to read your book it doesn't matter who it's um, published by so the stigma is gone in that way but in the actual industry itself in the traditional publishing industry it sort of still exists and is still quite annoying in that regard, it's one of my frustrations, but um, I can understand yeah, why it, why, yeah. why bookstores don't, especially with most authors Absolutely. build their business on Amazon, which is you know done yeah. you know as good as it's been for independent authors, it's been an absolute devastator to independent bookstores. So there's a big yeah. difference between independent bookstores and independent authors. Um, but I do feel it is. I'm with you. It's tricky to get your books into shops as much as you would with a with a with an actual publisher yeah yeah there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a longer bridge to cross there um so yeah that, that's that's i guess in 20 or 25 minutes rob <laughs> our best go at cons and pros of of self-publishing versus traditional publishing if any of our listeners have any more specific questions on any area robert and i sort of brushed over over the past 25 minutes or so um hit us up on our facebook page to indie authors podcast we're happy to uh, answer any questions you have so david it's now time uh-huh. for the mailbag mailbag uh, david hitting us with the songs we, this week we, we Love need a it. new jingle <laughs> mailbag um <laughs> and this week's question comes from karen blakely and she starts it off very lovingly by saying love the show david and rob which is always thank you karen always appreciated um i have a question about the writing process you both say you address the process of a new book differently but what are your best tips for improving your manuscript and making it the best it can possibly be now david as our resident ah. lecturer here on this the is my wheelhouse this, this is your wheelhouse so i will hand this over to you well, that's very that's a difficult question to answer in a couple of minutes uh, on a mailbag. We could um, we could do a lecture on this. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your best tips for improving your manuscript yeah. and making it the best it can possibly be? 
Okay, I'll give you a couple of small tips that I helped. I have helped my students that I have given my students that help them improve. Um, show not tell is a key aspect of writing fiction. Mm-hmm. So rather than say Sabrina cried, um, it's it's much more conducive and more vivid to suggest Sabrina stabbed a finger into her eye and wiped away the tear that was threatening to fall, right? So that's a better way of saying Sabrina cried mm-hmm. rather than just telling us yeah. Sabrina cried. So you're trying to paint the image inside your reader's head. So if you go back over your manuscript, Karen, and look out for these basic tales, which are just where you're telling your reader something rather than describing it for them, well then, simply by just changing that tale into a show, mm-hmm. into a description, you're already making your manuscript become more vivid and more descriptive. It's more engaging. So if you find, yeah, much more engaging. Mm. So if you find 10 or 12 of those examples of telling in your manuscript and you just change them into a descriptive bit of prose, well, then you're, you're, you're vastly improving your manuscript. I would say the same thing about adverbs. If you see a lot of adverbs in there, um, he ran quickly out of the house. If you, it's just, oh, I spotted an adverb. Oh, I can change that. I can change that. And if you change that to he raced out of the house, mm-hmm. well, then you're, you're bringing your he manuscript dashed. more to life as well. Yeah, or he dashed out of the house. Yeah. And if again, if you find 12 or so examples of adverbs that can be Im- slightly improved with more descriptive description, um, well, th- well, then you are really helping your, your manuscript come to life. So that's just two very short ways that you can instantly improve your manuscript. Now, Robert, you are a, an international best-selling author, so I don't want you to put all of the pressure on me um, <laughs> to be the craft expert because you are absolutely a craft expert in your own right. So uh, how can you help Karen with that question? Um, so a tip for improving your manuscript and making it the best you could possibly be is something I've highlighted before on recent podcasts, which is the mentality of get it wrong as fast as you can. Yes, um, mm-hmm. So you won't have a manuscript of any quality if you don't finish one. You will just have an unfinished manuscript. doesn't matter how good it is. So um, you can always go back and edit it if you're not happy with it. And use the tips that David's just said. They're, they're brilliant tips, excellent advice, to, just to make your book flow better and read better. Yeah, make um, it pop. But if you can get one into a, if you don't write a one you there's nothing to go back and fix so no one ever puts out the first draft if they do then it's very silly um mm-hmm. but that's the thing is if you can get your first one done then you've got it wrong as quickly as possible which now means you can spend more time getting it right and then once you've got it in a condition that you think yeah it's okay you can send that off to your editor and i highly recommend listening to last week's podcast when we had emma my editor on the show and we spoke about editing and the process and what that's about because once it's in that stage you're then fine and it's been edited and maybe proofread or whatever you're then fine tuning it so that's getting it into the best it can possibly be right is that final point where it's going through the eyes of professionals and experts but unless you actually do one and you actually actually finish your script you're not going to have it so i would say um just yeah just get it wrong as quickly as possible 
and then you can start making it the best it could possibly be. And you'd rather polish up a script that's not good than sit staring at one that's not finished. Well, this episode is going quite quickly, Rob. We're already at my favourite part of the show and I have a great guest uh, lined up for you, Rob. This is going to be a fascinating 20 minutes or so. USA Today best-selling author Gene Granger is going to join us on the show. Gene, thank you so much for giving us up your time this morning. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, it's, it's absolutely our pleasure. Um, Jean, I, I won't give it away. Can, can you um, introduce yourself and your books to our listeners, please? Okay. Uh, well, my name is Jean Granger. I'm Irish and I write yes. mostly Irish. <laughs> no bias there, Dave. Um, I write mostly Irish historical fiction. Um, I have some standalone novels, but mostly I write in series of books of between three and six. And... Um, I've currently got 32 uh, books available for sale. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, Really great branding. So I'll mostly say, are they all set in Ireland, Jean? Um, They're all based in Ireland, but they travel around. And As the Irish around. tend to do. As the, yeah, very Irish. <laughs> so fantastic titles like When Irish Eyes Are Lying, Return to Robinswood, Trials and Tribulations, uh, The Star and the Shamrock. Fantastic covers, great branding, Gene. Check out Gene Granger. That's G-R-A-I-N-G-E-R on Amazon. Gene, are you ready to face the seven questions? I don't know, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. That's what we like to hear. Right. Okay, Robert. Um, let's hit Gene with question one. I will do indeed. Question one, Gene. Are you a full-time author? I am, and I have been for the last um, five years full-time and seven years part-time and ten years working full-time and writing, if you count all that up together. Mm. Um, I was very fortunate in that I was a teacher before I was a full-time author and the Irish Department of Education very kindly allow you to take a career break, um, which is a really luxurious thing for someone who wants to go full-time writing because Mm. I still had a full-time job to go back to for five years, um, which was really a fantastic safety net. So, um, but yeah, I bit the bullet and uh, I'm now um, retired from the Department of Education, but uh, yeah, so full-time writing. Wow, congratulations on your success so far, Jean. You can see the uh, multi-thousands that your books have sold in, um, judging by such fantastic reviews and so many, up to nearly up to 10,000 reviews on some of your books, Jean. So your books are set in Ireland, but they're selling all over the world? They sell very little in Ireland, frankly, um, or anywhere (laughs) except the US. Um, I I have a sort of a somewhat bizarre setup in that Everybody who lives around me hasn't the faintest idea what I do. I think they have some suspicions. Um, <laughs> and none of them involve it. writing books. But, um, but yeah, so I sell almost all my books in the US, Canada, Australia, um, wherever the Irish have gone, really. Um, that's not to say all my readers are Irish, um, of Irish yeah. extraction. They're not. But it seems to hit a particular chord of people who have some Irish heritage in them. Yeah, it's a, it's a genre in itself. It really Ireland. is. It's a genre it in really itself. Is, yeah. It and, really uh, is, yeah. You're living proof that it can sell globally. Mm-hmm. So let's see if we can 
sort of get into how you've been a success uh, as an independent author and the decisions you've made, which leads us to question two, which is one decision all independent authors have to make at some point. Um, are you exclusive with Amazon or are you wide? I'm exclusive. Mm-hmm. And there's, I've been exclusive from the start, apart from a couple of forays into wide, which had me running back to have our beloved Amazon with my tail between my legs. Yes. Um, what I, the decision I've made now, um, well, uh, last year, two years ago, actually, I set up a publishing company and I now have three full-time employees who work um, with the publishing company. So I, I don't have as much to do with the admin business side of it as I had in the early days. In the early days, like everybody, I did everything. Um, but what we've done to diversify rather than leave Amazon, which frankly for me would be a disaster, is we have um, put a lot of energy into additional revenue streams. So Ingram Spark, audio, foreign translations, that sort of thing. Oh, brilliant. Wow, congratulations on setting that up. That's amazing, Jane. Some of it is luck. <laughs> a lot of it is luck, actually. Oh, Well-earned luck. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's fantastic. I, I love the sound of that. Um, question three, Jane is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Well, I really had to think about this one because there's a couple of them. Um, so if I had to go to my go-to one, I think, and this would be speaking from the point of view of me a couple of years back rather than now, mm-hmm. um, it would be Vellum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Vellum is a game changer. I remember the days before Vellum where you would have to get somebody to format your book for you and then someone would find a typo and then the palaver to have to Mm -hmm. get that person back and try and change it. And it was expensive every time and it was messy. And um, now with Vellum, it's literally simple. You know, you just click it, open it up the file, do whatever you need to do to it, re-upload it. It's a two-minute job. So um, that's that's really among loads of other services, but that would be a really, really important one for me anyway. Yeah, it is such a great point to make about Vellum because it's such a messy process made much, much easier. Um, it, it, sure. the, the, the formatting is, is such a, a, a slog of a job that with this great piece of software, it's just done for you. So it's, 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 it's a great yeah. answer. So much so game that changer. it is yeah. a game changer. So much so that when Rob and I were coming up with this question, we thought everybody's going to say Vellum as an answer because it's such a yeah yeah i get that yeah they probably do do they yeah. well funny enough i think we've only had it maybe three times two or three times but it really is such great software that it, it it's mm-hmm. it's bound to be somebody's best friend in the in the mm-hmm. community yeah. um which takes us swiftly on to question four gene which is one i think our listeners want answered um how do you market your books Ah, um, okay. The short answer is everywhere. (laughs) So, um, I use, you know, Amazon keep changing the names of these, so I may not have the correct current name for it, but, um, so I do the regular Amazon advertising that Mm -hmm. anybody has access to. And, but we automate that through a company called Perpetua, um, which isn't, uh, which is good. It's good. It's not, it's not a click it and go. You do still have to manage it, but it makes it a lot more manageable. So I guess that's the main one because that's the one that all all authors have access to that. The other ones I'll talk about, not everybody does, but um, 
so these ones are just the ads you set up on Amazon yourself. And when I was doing this myself back years ago, I could have had three or 400 ads mm. all spending a little bit of money because it was difficult for them to spend, yeah. even successful ones. It was hard to get them to spend the money. So what Perpetua does is it drags all that information, scrapes it all, and puts them into targets so that you actually have just one target for each book or each series or whatever, which makes it a little bit more manageable. It's paid service, obviously, so and it's, it's not particularly cheap, but it's if you're doing it on a large scale, then it's worth it. Okay. Um, I also do AMG, which is advertising that is run by Amazon themselves. Um, the advantage to that, the disadvantage is the, it's an expensive buy-in. Um, I think I'm not sure exactly, I, you know what, I'd be giving you wrong information, but it's certainly in the tens of thousands per month. Um, oh, wow. But um, in order to do that, or when you do that, you get placements that you can't get yourself. Yeah. So those ads that you see when you open up Amazon, the big banner ads and down the sides and all that, if you're just running them yourself, you can't get access to those placements. So the advantage for that is those. Um, so I run those. I also run some uh, lock screen and some um kindle fire um ads which are a separate dsp that amazon run as well yeah it's another organization with amazon i run ads there um i also run dsp ads off amazon uh again through another kind of affiliate company of amazon um i also run ads on facebook um which is good for um launches particularly for me um because the Amazon thing, it works well, but it's tend to be more of a continuum rather than a quick startup. It's not yeah. very reactive. So if you want to push a bunch of money on launch day, Facebook is better for me for doing that. Maybe other people would find different experiences, but mm-hmm. that's that's where I do that. And um, yeah, so AMG, uh, Amazon itself, uh, DSPs, lock screens, uh, Facebook. Yeah, that's pretty much that's such pretty much a great it. comprehensive answer. We're going to have listeners Googling all those terms. Um, <laughs> Jean has mentioned. Yeah, I know it's a bit jargony. I'm sorry. No, it's, um, well, it's full of jargons and acronyms, isn't it? This world that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that we're yeah. involved in. It really is. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I, I do I do think it's, it's really fascinating. You've kind of gone for like almost like a domination of your Amazon space. Yeah. Like you got all the points covered, like the banners at the sides and the top yeah. lock screens. Oh, there's no getting away from me, Rob. Yes. I'm literally everywhere. Nice. But, but, I, but I, I, I subscribe to that idea. I mean, obviously on a, on a, on a smaller scale to the one you're operating in, but um, I think we spoke a couple of weeks ago, David, about categories mm-hmm. um, on Amazon. And one of my main aims that I try and do is I try and dominate the categories that I'm in, where you can just see my name on like every single line almost mm-hmm. and one of my covers because it works. If you see someone's name dominating really an area and if your area is just amazon <laughs> and you're dominating mm-hmm. it like you're going to pick up readers because it will it will register in people's minds so exactly it's horses for courses though they all have different yeah. strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses yeah so as i say facebook is great for me for launches really good for socials and what i don't know if this will be a helpful tip for for uh, readers but um so my i have have an author page obviously on on facebook instagram all that stuff personally i'm a bit allergic to social media so um i have my marketing manager do it but um i found that my cost per click was going up Mm. and i realized it was because i wasn't putting anything personal or social 
on my Amazon, on my Facebook page. So I sort of upped my game there and started putting, you know, honestly, like just photographs or things that remind me of when I was a kid. Like I put up a picture of uh, a castle in Ireland that we used to stop. Ireland didn't have motorways when we were kids. So um, it would take, you know, 100 years to get anywhere. And you'd need like eight picnics to get from Cork to Dublin. (laughs) And we used to stop at this particular castle and have a picnic. And I just had this memory of that. And I just put that up and it got huge traction and huge comments and everything else. And suddenly my cost per click starts going down. So I don't know whether that's anecdotal or whatever. But for us anyway, we've noticed that the more, and that's something you can do with no money, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't need a ton of advertising budget just to go on and talk about your genre, talk about your books, talk, but not in a selly way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or talk about yourself or what motivates you or where you get your ideas from, whatever it is you want to talk about. Yeah. But the more in an increasingly financially driven social media world, they seem to be rewarding non-financially driven things by making your cost per click a bit lower so it might be a useful tip for people who are on a very tight budget very good tip very good tip yeah fantastic thank you and speaking of tips what's the one thing this is question five what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset um i suppose there's so much (laughs) like i I really thought, I guess, you know, like everybody who wrote my, when I wrote my first book, I, I didn't think anybody would publish it, frankly. I, I would always laugh when I would hear people saying they got a le- rejection letters from publishers. I didn't even get them. I would have yeah. loved a rejection letter. <laughs> I've got no response at all. Like just no, nothing. So a rejection letter would have been a, a, a step up. Um, I suppose I thought that someday if I was successful, whatever that might mean, my books would be in Essence or Waterstones or whatever. Um, I now know my books will never be there. Not because, oh, my books will never be there. I would choose that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it doesn't make any financial sense for me to sell my books in bricks and mortar stores. Yeah. It just doesn't. I've done it. It doesn't make any financial sense. The workload versus what you make, it just that the sums don't work for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what I wish I'd known was the route I'm going, go all into that mm-hmm. and don't worry about the other thing. That's a different business, essentially. The trad pub world, not, not better or worse, it's just a different model. Yeah, They're both books, but that's kind of where the similarity ends. Exactly, yeah. And I think from the point of view of your energies, especially if you're starting out and you're trying to work or you have family or whatever and your time is limited and your money is limited, pick one and put your heart into that. Mm-hmm rather than trying to straddle both it, it, it for me anyway that was a bit of a time waste yeah that's um, great information for for mm. our listeners there gene it is and i think we're conditioned to think that this is how you sell books you need to be in essence mm. and mortar stones but the world has changed so dramatically mm-hmm. since since that was necessarily yeah. the case uh, i wrote a, an alec ferguson biography which did really well last year and eason's wanted to stock it and i got excited about it and then i did all the maths and i thought no I'm not letting you stock my book when I'm getting 12p a sale and you're getting £2.90 yeah. per sale. So I just refuse yeah. to um, have yeah. them stock it. Um, and there's a perception that people who, as I said, I, I have lots of traditionally published friends who are really happy with the, the setup they have. And that's great. It's it's not, there's room for everybody. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is that like, 
it, there, was, there was a perception in my head anyway that if you weren't in those, there was a limit to what you could sell. I think my books have been downloaded over 2 million times and they've never been sold in a, in a bookstore. Yeah, ever. amazing. Fantastic. So really, it's kind of, it, that's not to be, oh yeah, look at me, but it's no, just, it's proof it's that it can proof. be done. Exactly. Anecdotal proof, yeah, that it, it actually can be done and, and you're literally doing it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not all roses, of course, uh, going this route. That, oh, it that is. We've it really is. <laughs> well, I'm about to have you stamp on the roses now with, with question number six, Jean. Uh, what is your biggest frustration being an independent author? They're exponentially decreasing Great. as I'm becoming more successful. In the early days, oh, my God, the religion. Mm-hmm. I, I was a secondary school teacher. So I had a certain degree of technological knowledge from the from my job, but nothing like what was needed. So I was absolutely tech terrified. I mean, there was days when I was just fit to be tired. My husband couldn't come near me. I'd eat that of him because <laughs> I was trying to manage all these things. The tech has improved and I've improved. So that was the one massive frustration out of the way. Um, another frustration was dealing with that beloved Amazon. And I'm very reluctant to to be disrespectful or say bad things about Amazon because frankly I'd be still teaching secondary school only for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, let's call a spade a shovel here. Like without them, <laughs> none of us would be anywhere, right? Yes. Yep. So um and I don't think they've ever in my whatever, twenty eleven I started, since then, I don't think there's ever been a malicious move on the part of Amazon. There's been bungling for sure. Yeah. It's a very large organization and I'm not sure they always join up thinking very well but it's they're not malicious or evil or trying to destroy us or trying to take anything from us they actually want us to be successful yeah um as the years have gone on i have amazon reps now and stuff like that so that makes life a hell of a lot easier than it did when i was just trying to deal with the you know the normal interface that was hugely frustrating um it is still hugely frustrating when for example a couple of months ago all my books fell out of all their categories just oh, no, no. disappeared out of their categories and no explanation, no reason why. And we just noticed a huge drop in revenue, obviously. Had to go in and go, what's the problem? Why, you know, these books that sold all the time, suddenly, bang. And then we go in and realize we're not in any, well, you should any be, yeah. of the top 20s that we normally would dominate. We're not in any of them. Yeah. And there was some change made to the algorithm that, and it was it was not just me. It was across the board. There was a lot of people uh, yeah. in different genres had the same issue. Um, so stuff like that is very frustrating. Yeah, um, when you're a slave to the algorithm and there's no human you're a slave touch. To yeah, it. Mm. but again, you know, it's not worth getting a big and certainly don't go down there. There's plenty of people online who want to get into this is a big conspiracy and Amazon are trying to do ah, yeah. blah blah blah. They're not. No. They're not. It's just a glitch, and it'll fix itself more often than not. Yeah. Um, you know, so um. That can be frustrating, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the other thing is, you know, and this is appeals to the the ego in all of us, in me anyway. When you know people say, "Oh, you're you're self published, are you?" Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The stigma. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Good on you for doing it anyway. Fair play to you. Do you know, it's not easy, I'm sure. And well done. Yeah. <laughs> just show them your bank you accounts, to... Jane. Yeah, <laughs> my my husband is a musician, and a friend of his in his band always says, "Smile and lodge, smile and lodge, smile and lodge." I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, so there's a bit of that as well. You know, there's a bit of patting on the head, like, "Well done for trying, anyway." Fair play. To 
yeah. <laughs> so that can be a little bit, but you know, um, yeah, you're, you're over that now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm well over it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, well over it. But in the early days, it was a bit, yeah, it was a bit of a sensitive thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one we've we've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> had, mm-hmm. had that said to us. Um, yeah. Jean, final question for you. Um, it's been fascinating listening to you, um, and some of your answers have been wonderful. Um, but before we let you go, what is the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Okay, it's really simple. When you start out, you have limited time, you have limited money, you have limited ability, and you have limited knowledge. Okay. The best tip I can give you is whatever money you have, spend it on editing. Fantastic. The cover will fix itself. It may not be the best cover in the entire world. If the book, it'll come back when you are successful years later. And I got the best editing I could afford, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. I've had all my books re-edited since, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, but in the early days, I look back and go, oh, like, I probably should have. I was more concerned with other stuff. You really, the best editing you can afford. Yeah. That's my, that's my number one tip. Yeah. That's um, great. Everything else will, everything else will fall into place, but make your book the best it can be. And you can't edit yourself. Your mother can't do it. Your husband can't do it. Your next door neighbor can't do it. Your cousin who was an English teacher 10 years ago can't do it. Yeah. You need a professional editor who has no skin in the game, who has no emotional connection to you, who, you know, who's just going to edit your book faithfully and honestly and not have to worry about your feelings. Um, so get a professional editor and get the best you can afford and keep upping that as you go along, get a better editor the next time. If you're, you know what I mean? And a more expensive and unfortunately it's, it's the case <laughs> like a lot of things in the world, the more money you spend, the better you get. So absolutely, um, I have a, I have a fantastic editing team now, but it took me a couple of years to get it. Brilliant advice. Um, Great advice, Jean. It really is such a key tool. Um, if it is a tool, yeah. but your yeah. edit your book has to be the best it can be because you're not going to make For sure. money on selling one book. People will have to read one of your books and then think, oh, I want to read the next Gene Granger quick. Yeah. And they're only going to do that if that first book is as, as good as it can possibly be. Yeah. Gene, yeah. um, you have passed the test and with absolutely great <laughs> tips for our listeners. We really appreciate it. Um, you taking the no time. No problem, my pleasure. Oh, and I want to say uh, from a personal level, over the years, uh, I've been in the groups, the Facebook groups, looking for advice. And Jean, mm-hmm. you, you are an absolute uh, gem to me over the years in terms of giving me slight, um, taking time out of your day to give me some help and tips uh, through those groups. Uh, I really appreciate it. Well, that's my pleasure. Not at all. I have to say this one last thing, actually, that I think is really lovely about our world, our indie publishing world, is there's from the very beginning, I've experienced there's very much an attitude of a rising tide lifts all boats. There's not this, you know, I've never experienced it anyway. The people are kind of jealous or whatever. There's a great interest and a great um, sort of culture yeah. of helping. Yeah. And loads of people helped me on my way and continue to do so. And I'm really happy to help people when they reach out and ask me as well. So um, I don't want to be inundated now, by the way, but, <laughs> but you know, um, in the groups and whatever it's you know people have been very helpful to me and i'm always very happy to share that around as well and that's been my experience yeah. you know that people are if you ask them a question or whatever they're happy to help you know so um it's a nice business to be in from it that is point it's a one absolutely wonderful community to be in yeah absolutely mm. it really is 
Well, David, wasn't Gene an absolute delight to have on the podcast? Absolutely. And more great tips for um, authors, indie authors mm-hmm. of, uh, at all levels. Just just again, I mean, I, I feel like we're getting boring now, repeating ourselves, but another lovely independent writer, happy, very content to pass on her experience and her knowledge. Gene, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you've, you've been a superstar. Absolutely. Um, that's, that brings us to the end of another show, Rob. It does. It does indeed. It makes me sad when I have to say goodbye to you, David. Um, and you and to our wonderful listeners um but before we go um just a quick shout out to our listeners uh, make sure you check us out on facebook in the two indie authors podcast group um where we you know share videos we share tips and we uh, give our listeners the opportunity to ask us any questions so if you do have any questions for us make sure you send them in to our facebook group and we would be more than happy to answer them when we're on this show david before i do leave you and my heart breaks what you got (laughs) on this week i'm continuing hopefully uh, continuing the process of writing the sequel to whatever happened to betsy blake sequel novella Mm -hmm. Uh, i am also looking at changing up my marketing and really sort of nailing down so so looking at the ads that are working comparing the ads and ones that aren't i'm going to turn off mm-hmm. i've had a solid start of the year i wouldn't say it's been an amazing start of the year i did i did have an amazing end i think i'll always have an amazing end because that alex ferguson book will always bring in money at, at, at christmas and my books tend to sell well in paperbacks at christmas so january now we're halfway through february it's been kind of solid kind of average i would say in terms of sales and turnover but uh, i'm gonna uh, get motoring on that now uh, before we get to march nice and i'll certainly be looking at that over the next seven days uh, what about you rob anything planned over the next seven days um i am planning on really breaking uh like the back of this new book like getting it really to the point where it starts ticking and just starts flowing out of me um great and i guess i'm probably gonna have to tuck into those 30 plus pages of uh, edits i need to do to bermuda <laughs> which i'm obviously uh thrilled thrilled about but there's uh, a lot of notes yeah hopefully i won't be a broken man the next time you see me david <laughs> yes we, we shall see you might have a head of hair a hair like me next thursday when we talk <laughs> oh yeah but before we go someone someone said that they didn't they didn't realize you were bald <laughs> it's your brand yes somebody on the was it our facebook group yeah. That I am flabbergasted that David's bald. <laughs> They've not seen you. Flabbergasted. <laughs> wow. You don't sound okay. bald. That's what it is. I don't. I sound like I got a full head of hair. Yeah.